3: I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. I'll be with my friends. Try and make some money. My job is not just to entertain you, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Wall Street spent weeks, weeks worrying about the possibility of a Russian invasion of Ukraine. And through that whole period, stocks drifted lower. Sell, 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 sell. Then the moment the war gets rolling, our stock market screams higher? Ah. First rebounding like crazy off yesterday's lows, and then roaring again today. Dow surges 835 points, SP pole vaults 2.24%, Nasdaq jumped 1.64%. I mean, how the heck do we explain this action? Is Wall Street maybe heartless? Are we a bunch of sociopaths who enjoy the spectacle? No, that's actually not the way this business works. What Wall Street wants is for the war to be over, regardless of who wins. Because the stock market craves one thing, and that's certainty. Love certainty. And unfortunately, this is a very one-sided war where the conclusion is not in doubt because Putin is overwhelming force. Once the bullets start flying, the situation became more, not less certain. Throw in an overwhelmingly oversold market and you had all the ingredients for a spectacular rally. Something that was predicted early on Wednesday when we highlighted the work of the legendary Larry Williams, who made another tremendous contrarian call for us here. Of course, we remain in a what have you done for me lately market, right? And having bulked up on stocks for my chapel trust, we actually took some profits today to get ready for a possible downturn next week when inflation gets, not Ukraine, becomes front and center. Remember, Jay Powell. The Fed chief is making two appearances on Capitol Hill, and we've got the February employment number on Friday. Those are three things that will have us laser focused on inflation. The other big worry that shows up, just not letting up one bit. This market has a hard time processing two themes at once. So next week, the focus will shift from Ukraine to inflation. Fortunately, even after today's run, the averages remain somewhat oversold. But unfortunately, inflation is sky high right now. As much as Jay Powell wants to go easier on the economy, he doesn't want to be the Fed chief who allowed inflation to permanently embed itself in the system for the first time in 40-odd years. What else is on tap next week? Beyond the big picture macro stuff, we got a slate full of earnings starting on Monday with a a host of major tech companies, Workday, HP, Zoom Video. In some ways, this trio is actually a microcosm in the broader technology industry right now. Computer companies like HP have seen hideous supply chain issues. Look at Dell, down nearly 8% today because they couldn't get enough components, not because they didn't have much demand. Workday's got a problem of its own. The stock's expensive on an earnings basis, and you have to be concerned in the wake of earnings that it can duplicate the stock of Zscaler, which got crushed on a great, not super great quarter today. Hey, you'll see what I mean when we speak to the company CEO later in the show. As for Zoom, you got to be concerned about their business and whether it holds up as the pandemic recedes. Tuesday morning, we hear from Target. After a sickening slide from $266 to $190, this stock finally put on a decent showing today, rallying about $407. Which is the true target? Will they say business is terrific? Or will they tell us it's hard to get goods and hard to raise prices? This week, Lowe's did the former and Home Depot did the latter. So Lowe's roared while Home Depot broke down. I think it's become too much of a dice roll to predict which way these retailers are going to go at this point. That said, I'd rather bet on Target than Kohl's, which reports the same morning. This embattled, ho-hum department store is besieged by multiple potential acquirers. It would go up huge if they would take the bait. Also on Tuesday, Domino's reports. And like so many other restaurant plays, the stock has been hammered lately, simply because business has been consistent rather than spectacular. If Domino's doesn't blow away the numbers this time, I think investors will decide that it was merely a COVID winner, not a post-COVID winner, even though it has many years of going higher. I disagree. I don't make the rules, though. After the close, we hear from Salesforce.com, which has been pulverized by the sell-off in the high-flying cloud stocks. Don't I know that The Travel Trust owns it. Even though it's got real earnings and bountiful cash flow. The relentless, ruthless selling pressure ended yesterday, though I think the dumping is overdone. I, I bet it makes the numbers, but full disclosure, uh, I will be talking about it for the, for the CBC Investing Club. And I am biased in favor of it because we bought the stock at $8 initially. That's when we first had the show on, had Mark Benioff on. Now, Wednesday. Wednesday's real interesting because the stock that's doing very well Dollar Tree, uh, it's been under pressure from activist investors for ages. They don't like the execution, even if the stock's had a nice rally. I think Dollar Tree's a winner, especially now that the government's COVID subsidies are gone. Look, a lot of families have to trade down now that they don't get that uh, tax credit for children. Then Jay Powell speaks, and this is my worry when you start thinking about what's going to happen here. He speaks before the House of Representatives. Will he tell us anything about the cadence and size of the rate hikes? Will he use the occasion or his remarks to the Senate the next day to announce the end of the Fed's bond buying program, which is ridiculous as it is? Or will he just rope a dope choosing to make policy announcements on his own turf? I'm betting it's the latter. Two of the most richly valued stocks in this entire market, Okta and Snowflake, reported after the close. Wednesday, uh, you know what, this is going to be a very tough day. I'll tell you why. Because, well, I'm not sure about Okta's quarter. See, there's been a lot of turnover there of late. Now, I've got to find out what that's about. Snowflake, though, continues to be the high multiple stock of choice for many because of its terrific consumption-based business model. The brilliant CEO Frank Sloopman has made more money for investors than almost anyone else of this era, yet few have ever heard of him. No, he's not Elon Musk, but he's the newfound king of the cloud. The inflation bucket is supposed to stop at the supermarket, right? So let's hear what a largest uh, supermarket has to say when Kroger reports Thursday. After a mis- miserable period of underperformance, Kroger's been delivering consistent numbers despite the pandemic. Still. I'm concerned that the desire to keep customers happy may cause them to eat some of the cost increases that the suppliers are pushing on them. That's going to hurt margins and send the stock lower. Also on Thursday, we hear from Best Buy, which disappointed last time because of margin pressures. I think they might be able to turn it around this quarter. It's a really well-run company. But the prevailing wisdom is that people won't be buying big screen TVs as they go out again post-COVID. And, you know, it can bounce because like, remember, I mean, the stock's down so low, but there are probably better stocks out there. Better stocks like Costco, which reports you have to close Thursday. I love Costco. I love the shop there. I love when we visit its headquarters. And I love it for my travel trust, which I've told members of the CBC Investing Club is one of my absolute favorites. Will there be a rise in the membership fees? Will there be a special dividend? If we don't get one or both, and I think my love could momentarily go unrequited, what an opportunity no matter. If that one goes down, bye. Finally, there's Friday's employment number. If it's red hot, then Jay Powell will look too dovish if he didn't take a hard line earlier in the week when he had the chance at this meeting and this meeting. It's worth noting that I am convening a CNBC Investing Club meeting at 12.30 p.m. Friday where I will be introducing the most powerful man in the oil patch, Rick Moncrief. He's the CEO of one of our hugest winners for the trust, Devon Energy. Do you know that Devin was the number one performer in the s 500 all last year? And do you know it's threatening to repeat those gains this year? Why? How? Because uh, of Moncrief. What does he think about the world's oil and gas situation? About Russia? About the Permian? Let's find out together. Join the club! Here's the bottom line. Next week, the market's focus will shift from Ukraine to inflation. So I say, get ready to give up some of the gains. Dante in Florida. Dante! Hey, Jim, how are you doing? I'm from South Florida. Great to hear you. You are so lucky. Um, My wife's down there in Delray. Say hi. What's going on? So today my question
1: is about Shopify, Jim. I know with the current environment, everything in the book is saying not to buy this stock, but it's down about $1,000 from its all-time high. So I wonder if I should take some pain right
3: now for hopefully some gains in the future. I thought about that all day today when I saw what what, uh, Etsy did. Etsy's a great company. Shopify did not do as well as Etsy. I have to tell you, I'd actually rather buy Amazon right here. I'm not kidding. Stem off the high. Let's go to Cindy. I am a 71
0: year old retired educator, and I consider you a fellow educator in the courts of Wall Street. Thank you. Wow. Thank you. Wow. Here's thank my you. question. Yes. You recommended American Eagle Outfitters, AEO, in recent months. And I would like your current thoughts on the stock.
3: Okay, first, Cindy, thank you for those kind words. Second, uh, Matthew Boss, uh, the J.P. Morgan, great retail analyst, is the one who introduced me to the concept. Third, this one yields almost 4%. It does report next week, and it's sickening to me that I, that it's going down so much. Retail's been a hard place to be. Uh, I think the yield, the dividend's safe. So at this point, Cindy, I think you got some real yield support down here, almost yielding 4% but it has been a pathetic parody of a human uh, it, The man should come on. Jay They should come on Mad Money when they report. Period. End of story. Ted in South Carolina. Ted.
1: Hi, Jim. Great to be on the
3: line with you. How are you? I am good. How about you, Ted? Fine, thanks. I
1: have a question about car companies. Yes? We see the traditional automakers launching electric vehicles to the market.
3: They're answering the Tesla bell. Like, yes, yeah, they are. Kind of like uh,
1: we got to do it too. Um, but what about our new to industry players that are electric vehicle only? How will Rivian,
3: Polestar, and stock Lucid do in the short and long term? Okay, so first, I, I think Rivian Rivian's well is going to sell out everything everything that it everything that it can make to Amazon, but Ford's got a big stake. Uh, I'm not really quite sure about the second one. And the third one, Lucid, does report next week. Uh, I know that they're light on deliveries, but I also know that the stock is light on points. It's been crushed. All right, this week, the market was focused on Russia, Ukraine, right? But I want you to steal some from Major Shift. Next week will be all about inflation, and I don't think it will be greeted as well as the terrible thing that the Russians did. On oh, May have Money Tonight, Z-Scaler fell today after putting a top and bottom on my beef the second quarter. So what's Wall Street slam? What, what are they worried about Wall Street? Why don't we dig in with the CEO? Then, in times of volatility, is it time to turn gold? I thought we were supposed to turn to crypto. I'm surveying this place with Barrett Gold's top best. And Suntory, the maker of Jim Beam, maker's mark, Basil Hayden, is seeing real strength in the spirits business. Why don't we go off the tape with the company's CEO to see if this could be a trend that we must be watching. So stay with...
0: Visibility at Indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
3: Even on a fabulous day for the average, some groups remain, let's call them vulnerable, like the cloud-based software sucks. Wow. Just take a look at what happened to Zscaler. That's the cloud-focused security software play with a stock that punched more than 15% today in the wake of its earnings report. Did these guys drop the ball? You know what? Not really. Last night, Zscaler reported a quarter that looked a lot like the ones it's used to reports all last year uh, when the stock was beloved. The company delivered a solid two-cent earnings beat off an 11-cent basis, higher-than-expected sales, up 63% year-over-year. Phenomenal billings, and mostly in-line guidance for the current quarter. Even better, they raised their full-year forecast. Isn't that what we want? So why did the stock get decked then? We heard a lot of nitpicking on this one. The billings growth decelerated a bit, the beats were less significant than in previous quarters, and Zscaler missed the whisper number, meaning the number that bullish hedge funds were hoping to see. But honestly, these are all excuses. The real issue with Zscaler is that even though the stock was already down 30% from its November highs when the company reported last night, it came into, er- into earnings trading at 36.5 times sales in a market that has zero patience for even high flyers that sell at 35 times earnings. I don't know what to do here. I don't know what the right price is for Zscaler. It could definitely go lower. But I do know the stock's a heck of a lot cheaper than it was yesterday. And the fundamental story remains intact. So let's check in with Jay Shorty. He's the founder. Chairman and CEO of Zscaler to get a better read on the quarter and its process. Mr. George, welcome back to Mad Money.
1: Tim, thank you for the opportunity. We had another stellar quarter with the strong momentum at ARR of over a billion dollar. We grew. Our revenue over 62 percent, our billings growth at 59 percent. So we see a lot of momentum happening and we are very excited about the opportunity in front of us.
3: Okay, but we got to go over this because, you know, look, I look at a Guggenheim, they say Zscaler beats street expectations, billings momentum a bit light. And, and, you know, and then listen, I could go almost every single one of these reports and it's Zscaler. Here's Mizuho with less upside than expected. I mean, you know, I, Piper, Billings deceleration. Now, our people at home are thinking this is nuts. The whole call was filled with congratulations for how well you're doing. Can you please put this in perspective that perhaps Zscaler is doing great, but we understand that there are some people who are concerned about expensive stocks in this market?
1: Jim, if you look at any n- numbers, revenue growth, billing growth, our large customer acquisition, the numbers are very good across the board. Now, people have different expectations. Markets do what they do. I have one focus. to make sure we keep on innovating. to make sure we keep on delivering good solutions to our customers and keeping them safe. And we're doing that extremely well. We got a runway to take this business from a billion dollar ARR to $5 billion ARR. And I can see how we get there. So I think it's a wonderful opportunity. We are very bullish. All right now you did call out on your call
3: that federal disappointed you? Now, we are in a world right now where we're worried about Russia, Ukraine, North Korea, China. How is it possible that federal disappointed when I would think the federal government's most at risk if it didn't order a lot of things from Zscaler?
1: So all market segments did very well for us. Relatively speaking, federal was light. Now, what's happening in federal market is right now, Agencies are working on what's known as stop gap funding. There's no budget that hasn't passed. If you got some current appliances and security, you can keep on buying to keep on going. But if you need to start some transformational projects like Zscaler, you need funds from Congress. And we hope that we expect that the budget will get approved uh, next month. Now, if you look at currently what's needed to sell in federal government are two things, one, the administration had talked about zero trust being the most important architecture, which is the opposite of legacy security. And we do that extremely well. And second, you need FedRAMP certification. Zscaler has the best FedRAMP certification. So we believe we're well poised, we have a strong pipeline, and big opportunity for FedRAMP.
3: Well, but this is very worrisome for me. We got to, if I am a Russian uh, hacker, a hacktivist, and I listen to what you just said, I say to myself, oh, stopgap, stop stop their spending, C-scaler, they won't buy all the stuff they need because they're worried about the short term. Jay, this is exactly what I'm most concerned about as an American citizen. I thought that we were taking every precaution, not if we're doing stopgap spending.
1: Well, you know where the budgets are. I don't think I can do much about the stopgap funding. But I can tell you, we do have over 100 agencies who are using our technology, but I think additional funding could help them expand it. But overall, across the country, because it's not just the federal government, we also need to protect our public sector as well, our other companies. So we got lots and lots of customers who are turning towards us with cyber issues that are related to ransomware, these Ukraine attacks and like. I was talking to a large German customer yesterday. The discussion, the call started with, we are worried about Ukraine. Because these cyber attacks are not restricted to a given area, they can happen globally. So that's where customers are turning to us, more and more CIOs and CSOs are saying, I need Zscaler zero trust platform to protect myself. That's really what has catapulted our business so strongly, the kind of growth we've gone through to get past a billion dollar while generating positive cash flow is pretty impressive.
3: You know, I think so, too. Now, Jay, you have to explain to people right now, if I am a a Russian hacker, what I'm trying to do is get in the system. I need to do that by either imitating someone or finding a way Mm -hmm. to be able to confuse people into thinking I should belong in the system. Would Zscaler stop me?
1: Yes. So, you know, there are two ways to stop things. One is to use traditional castle and moat firewalls to kind of keep them out. The second thing is Zscaler Zero Trust Architecture, which says you will have no attack surface. Your applications and systems are hidden behind Zscaler. Bad guys can't even find you. If they can't find you, they can attack you. That's the best defense, which is the opposite of traditional security. That's why we believe that the faster enterprises and governments move to the zero trust architecture, which says trust no one. That's the real security. Otherwise, we'll keep on buying more and more of the old school and we'll never be safe. Okay, but
3: Jay, therefore, well, I would then presume as these hedge funds that dumped your stock today, that your billing should be accelerating, not falling from 71% in the previous quarter to 59%. I would presume <laughs> that should be at 70%, 80%, 85%. Realistic? Unrealistic? Do you understand why someone might think that?
1: I think sometimes people end up being short-sighted. My goal is to build for the long term of the business. We think at a billion-dollar ARR to grow 60 some percent is pretty remarkable. And then on top of that, have some great operating margins. Lots of companies aspire to do the rule of 40. We are operating at the rule of 70. That's very remarkable.
3: All right, Jay, here's here's what I think. Obviously, mm-hmm. anything. your numbers were fantastic. It's just a great quarter. Your stuff is needed more than any anyone. We're in a course correction mode for the great companies in America. We understand that. I think you did it a remarkable quarter, and the billings are excellent, and everybody need And people are nuts if they don't get uh, zero trust from Zscaler. And I'm mm-hmm. going to leave it like that, Jay. Let's see what they do. That's Jay Shorty He's the founder, chairman, CEO of Zscaler, which is among the fastest-growing companies in the world. We have back spec after the break.
4: Coming up, when crisis strikes, investors rush to the heavy metal. Find out what global tension means for this gold stock next.
2: The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com.
0: Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash card.
3: I always try to have some gold exposure as a hedge against inflation and geopolitical chaos. I've been saying that for 17 years. Now that we've got both, the precious metals made a monster move higher. And my favorite way to play it is, as always, Barrick Gold, the world's best-run gold miner with a stock that's up more than 17% for February alone. That's not just from the war in Ukraine. Last week, Barrick reported an excellent quarter, posting a 5-cent earnings beat off a 30-cent basis with higher-than-expected sales and even a $1 billion buyback from a gold company. So could this thing have more room to run? Let's take a closer look at Dr. Mark Bristow, the president and CEO of Barrick Gold, to find out what he sees going forward. Dr. Bristow, welcome back to Mad Money. Hello, Jim. So nice to see you. Well, you know, Mark, the funniest thing happened. We got this war that breaks out. We've got rampant, roaring inflation. And Mark, my Bitcoin went down, but my gold mutual fund went up. Isn't it supposed to be the other way around?
5: Remember what I said. You can't print gold.
3: They're printing a lot of Bitcoin. We heard that, you know, we had, the, we had the chairman of the SEC on. And he's basically saying we have no idea how many coins are being printed. We don't know what's out there. Dogecoin, it doesn't matter, Ethereum. But we do have a finite amount of gold and it's hard to find, isn't it? Absolutely, Jim. And you know what? Remember when they
5: introduced Bitcoins? They said there were only going to be so many Bitcoins and there's going to be blockchain and no other. Look how many uh, cryptocurrencies there are in the world today. And when you ask somebody, what does it work? They can't work it out.
3: It does seem to me, sir, that what happened is, it's kind of like just another stock. When the stock market's good, it goes up. And when the stock market's bad, it goes down. I don't need that from, a, from something that's supposed to be a store of value.
5: No, Jim, really, I think, you know, stick to gold, my
3: man. <laughs> All right. Now you took your gold forecast from twelve hundred to seventeen hundred, and to me that yeah. says that you must either believe inflation is going to come roaring back, there's worldwide cash, or it is even harder for your competitors to find gold than it's ever been. I think
5: you've got them all in one. Uh, you know, I think uh, inflation. As you know, you and I've discussed this many, many years ago when inflation arrived. It's hard to stop it. You can't just wind it back. And Jim, when you look at early December, just 75 days ago, everyone said it was transitory. The markets are all fine. Everything's good. And look at it today.
3: You got that right. Now, you are a maniac about finding replacement you do not just want to give people uh, a buyback dividend i mean which no we haven't seen since the south african gold companies in the 1980s we have not seen anything like what you're trying to do at the same time i am saying hold on, if it's 1700 maybe i want every penny out there being being used to export in pakistan and egypt how do you balance so if you
5: look at our dividend policy we've structured a dividend policy very much like rand gold Based on our success, on the amount of money on our balance sheet. It allows us to invest. It doesn't keep a lazy balance sheet. And, and there's a formula so you can look at what you think gold's going to be like, look at our forecast, you know what your dividend's going to be. But we don't prefer
3: dividends to investments. And as you know, we look
5: for a 50% return
3: at $1,200. Yeah, boy, you're going to make a lot of money. And copper, sir, is soaring. And you're able to turn on the jets and copper pretty much at will, can't you?
5: Well, we, we're the only gold company that has 20% of our business in copper. And our, my focus is to keep on improving the quality of copper. You know, our gold assets, are, we own five of the top 10 best gold mines in the world. So we're a standout when it comes to best assets. We want to be the same as copper.
3: Right now, You did teach me that it does matter what natural gas costs and what oil costs. Do we have to worry that these can knock down your total return? Yes,
5: in the short term, of course, there's impact. But remember, the gold price is going up for the same reason. Um, But I just point out that we've recently uh, published our roadmap to get 30% reduction on greenhouse gas emissions. And that 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 uh, roadmap comes with a 15% IRR. So we're not just investing to reduce our gas emissions just to be compiled. Right. It's good business and it's giving us a return. It'll drop the cost, make us less dependent on the hydrocarbon. right,
3: so I was praising your stock to someone who is a noted environmentalist, and what she said to me was, oh, you kidding me? The arsenic he dumps in the water, the way that they leave the mines when they're finished, they're the least sustainable company on Earth. I said that you were sustainable before anyone understood what the word sustainability meant.
5: For 30 years, Jim, for 30 years we've been doing this. This is not just an epiphany. This is something that is the basis of the way we run
3: our business. I... uh well, I think that I think that maybe the problem I've been thinking about a lot about this, Mark, is that your competitors do not feel similar to you. They are reckless, I find. They spend more than they have. Their properties aren't that good, and they have gotten in trouble for what they've done to groundwater.
5: Yeah, and uh, as you know, Jim Barrick in the past had some uh, challenges. Correct. But you know, we bulked our social life in, in gold in sub-Saharan Africa, where most people don't want to go on holiday. And, uh, and that's the very real essence of our business. Is today, as you know, the world wants you to be responsible, whether you're in Nevada or Mali or Dimin- uh, D- Dominican Republic. And we see ourselves as part, you know, during the COVID, we advanced taxes to our host country because gold mining does well. At- and we reached out and supported our host countries. We're all of our host
3: countries because we on their national asset. Well, I got. I wish I could just talk to you forever. I've got like stuff about Pakistan, about Nevada. I didn't get to ask you about the Dominican Republic, which obviously sounds terrific. You're going to come back. You're going to come back because I think that you're the most informed person. And I listened to all these people telling me, "Well, look, Bitcoin. If it ever gets out of control, inflation. That's where you got to be." And it got cut in half. Yours went yeah, up well. by half. So I, I'm banking with you. All right. Thank you, Jim. All right. You're That's, always welcome. Oh, thank you. That's Dr. Mark Bristow, President CEO of Barrick Gold, who made a prediction that when inflation raged, gold would go up and crypto would go down. And was he ever right? Mad Money's back back for the break.
4: Coming up, what top selling drink has helped make its parent company an 80
3: proof stock? Everywhere in the world. It is sold, and it does well. Pull up a stool and find out next. With the Fed preparing to hit the brakes on the economy, the Wall Street Playbook says it's time to circle the wagons around the slowdown stocks. That's anything that will hold up just fine in recession. I'm talking about like the food and beverage place. While many of these companies have to grapple with high costs, they've also got steady demand, and they're well-run. They should have the pricing power to push these costs onto the consumer. And that's what makes these stocks so good. Tonight, we want to get a better read on the industry with Suntory Group. That's a Japanese food and beverage conglomerate with a thriving alcohol business, thanks to, in part, to its 2014 brilliant acquisition of Jim Beam. Earlier this week, we got a chance to speak with Tak Ninami. He's the president and CEO of Suntory Holdings Limited. Take a look. Mr. Ninami, welcome back to Mad Money. Oh, great. Can
6: you hear me well?
3: Well, like, yes. And I have to tell you, I'm very impressed with these numbers. You uh, just the ones last week, 8% top line, roughly 14% operating income in a very tough business. How is Suntory able to put up these numbers?
6: Uh, definitely. Uh, thank you very much. First of all, uh, we delivered great performance because of, first of all, we premiumized our products, increased the level of the quality of our products, and we invested to our brands well before. So it's a um, concerted effort of all those uh, implementation uh, we did. And uh, thanks to the uh, leadership of uh, all the units. And uh, we focus on North America and uh, India, as well as uh, Southeast Asia and the Europe uh, did a great
3: job too. Well, sir, uh, I have to tell you, I'm holding up a bottle of Jim Beam. Jim Beam is probably the world's biggest seller of bourbon. And what is the success of Jim Beam that, it's, that everywhere in the world it is sold and it does well everywhere in the world?
6: Oh, two things. One, we've been uh, uh, improving its quality, By the uh, collaboration between Kentucky people and uh, Japanese, so we brought uh, we call East Meet West. That's uh, um, production quality uh, improvement uh, programs. And second point is uh, we invested the brand uh, recognition program because uh, Jim Beam can boost uh, the authenticity. And uh, it's a uh, long-term history, which is uh, really important for consumers everywhere in the world. And plus, uh, we launched a highball program to all the regions uh, where we operate. What's so t- I'm sorry. Yes. So we increased the uh, drinkers, including uh, you know female customers, because uh, highball itself is just like a beer. Um, so female drinkers can drink uh, with the uh, great freshness by drinking highball. That's brilliant. So we offer, yeah, we offered that, you know new way to drink high
3: highball, like a highball with the gin uh, beam. Well, we also love your mixture drinks that you can get. Literally, you've got the whole thing in a, in a in a bottle. And for any of these difficult to make uh, classic drinks. We buy your drinks, which we know will be high quality, and we, we serve them rather than having us make the drinks and screw them up. Was that your idea, sir? Because it's brilliant. Uh, that's right,
6: because uh, in Japan, we've been serving, uh, offering the uh, ready-to-drink, and that contains a mixture of the uh, soft drink uh, expertise and uh, spirits. So Uh, We started to offer OTR, which is a a fantastic uh, cocktail uh, device, we believe. And that's a huge differentiation from other products because people started to drink at home and people want to enjoy the cocktail. But uh, the cocktail quality should be superb. So we launched this uh, project called OTR. I think this is uh, doing very well.
3: Now, let's talk premiumization for a second. uh, Basil Hayden is an amazing brand, but you have taken it to another level. And I know from the restaurant and bar business that I have that the price has... There really is not any resistance, sir, to higher price for this great brand. When did you figure out that you could fix it up and start charging a great deal? Because it's working. Yeah,
6: well, last October... We decided to go for price increase meantime uh, we were so much uh, proud of the uh super, you know great quality over time because of the people in kentucky they made an every and the tenacious effort to improve its quality and uh, we have been investing to brands for uh, more than a couple of years so that uh we can be recognized as a good quality and a good brand. That's why uh, we made a, a great uh, pathway to increase prices.
3: Now, in terms of the, uh, my favorite, candidly, are the single malts, and your Japanese single malts uh, have the best reputation. Are you having trouble getting glass? Do you have enough ability to be able to make as much as you like? Because uh, these are brands that go for super premium price.
6: Well, for Japanese uh, whiskey, uh, we don't have any issue of uh, securing glasses because the still our supply of Japanese whiskey is uh, uh, in a constraint. However, for other products uh, like uh, bourbon, uh, we have uh, uh, in a uh, Quite uh, uh difficult uh, constraint to secure glasses so uh, we import from uh, China though mm. it costs a lot
3: right and then one last question uh, not most liquor companies most companies your size and spirits do not care much about environmental and social and governance they just don't you are deeply committed to cleaner water what do you have to say to your uh colleagues in the industry about what they should be doing to help the environment.
6: Uh, We believe that uh, if we want to be a player with good quality products, that means uh, we have to be contributing to society. And uh, we have been uh, contributing to uh, water uh, replenishment uh, uh, program for more than uh, 20 years. And uh, that's uh, what we have to do so that uh, we can be recognized as the corporate citizen to the world. And, uh, you know, water is a blessing for us. Without water, we can't uh, live and we can't make a, 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 a business at all. So uh, definitely we have to replenish natural water so that uh, we have a license to operate, uh, to produce uh, uh beverages, and uh, that's our contribution to the world. And uh, we'd like to bring more partners to join our programs of the uh, natural water sanctuaries uh, so that uh, we can replenish uh, as much as the water we use.
3: Well, I salute you, sir. Congratulations on having the best numbers in the industry. We are thrilled to have Tak Ni He's the president and CEO of Suntory Holdings. Thank you for being on the show, sir. It's a joy to talk to you.
6: Thank you, Jim.
3: Here we go. Look at this. Number one in the world. Suntory. Man, money's back here. No
2: need
4: for a meteorologist. Today's forecast calls for thunder and lightning. The lightning round is next. Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade.
1: It is time for the
3: Lightning Round. And then the Lightning Round is over. Are you ready, Steve? That's how the Lightning Round is over. Drew and on Drew. A big roll, Todd. Booyah, Jim. I love the barbecue down there. What's happening? Uh, I've been a club member for eight years. Thank you so much for teaching us the financial freedom. Uh, I really appreciate it. Glad you moved over to CNBC, too. That's fantastic. What's up?
1: I bought a whole lot of shares in March of 2020
2: at $13. It's now at 57 Do I stay long for the reopening play and their dividend,
3: or do I sell? My stock is Cedar Fair. Oh, you see it. You stay there. I like that one very much. You stay there. So did SeaWorld. I think your stock goes much higher. You need to go to Allen in Virginia. Allen. Uh, good evening, Jim. Uh, I enjoy your show. Oh, thank you for taking my call. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, in, two, in 2000, Jim, I was following a company named Ciena. C-I-E-N. Oh, the heyday. Go ahead. What are we do, Alan? Oh, I don't, I don't really care for Seattle because I got Cisco all the way down here at 55, and they just put an unbelievable quarter. Why do we have to go down there to Seattle food chain? Let's go. Jerry in Missouri. Jerry.
0: Jim, thanks
2: for taking my call. Okay. I'm a founding member. I've been founding for a long, long time. The position uh, that we're talking about was one of your favorites from last spring.
3: Unfortunately, it's now a battleground going down more than 50% this year. Do you think it's going to come back or should I reinvest my holding in Roblox? It's too low to sell. Uh, the problem is, is that the market changed. As I said in a November club call, now you got to start making things and do stuff and making money doing it and return it to shareholders. And that company does not do the latter two, so that's why it will not go up very much. Let's go to Paige in California. Paigey.
0: Hey, Jim. How are
3: you? I'm good. How are you?
0: I'm well, thank you. I have a question for you on Hertz. Why hasn't more smart money picked up on all the great things that they have done? I think
3: this smart money's oh. done. They should be buying this thing. Steve Schur is the CEO. He's the, he's the He uh, used to be the Goldman CFO. He is dynamite, and he's going to come on the show. Now he doesn't know that, but he will. Let's go to Mark in Florida. Mark.
1: Hi, Jim. I enjoyed the morning meeting and your advice to raise oh,
3: some cash for 10-20 buying meeting. 10:20, 20 more you mean? You can't miss it. What's up?
1: Well, I, I raised some cash the way you suggested. Good. Uh, my question is about MP Materials. Uh, yesterday, they reported an earning and a revenue beat. Uh, and I know several law firms were initiating class action lawsuits against them. Oh, Where they can pound the sand.
3: I think MP's real. Now, we had it to do when I didn't like all that insider selling. But they promised, they delivered, and it goes higher, and I like them. And that lays them in conclusion of the...
0: Lightning Round!
4: The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade.
3: As Omicron cases come down, you need to know that Wall Street will soon start anointing post-COVID winners. And I want you to own something in this newly sanctified club. We all remember there were some gigantic winners during the early stage of the pandemic. Zoom video, which I said reports next week, crushed it although it's since been crushed, along with the other high flyers, even as its it's ease of use may transcend the pandemic. Same goes for DocuSign. The digital contract signing platform became wildly popular during the stay-at-home phase. But then the stock fizzled, despite the fact that the company has forever changed the way we do documents. (laughs) It's the mortgage way to go. And who can forget the ecstasy and the agony of Peloton? which soared into the stratosphere during lockdown, then crashed back to Earth as people returned to the gym. Right now, Peloton's the only one of these three that I actually want you to buy. But that's because we just spoke to its new CEO, Barry McCarthy, and he told a very compelling story. This is the guy who helped turn around the subscription business of Netflix, Spotify. Peloton's also got a subscription business. Remember, they sell connected exercise machines. It's clear from the interview that McCarthy wants to go, Peloton Light, outsourcing the manufacturing, maybe crowdsourcing some of the programs while building a system that can let friends compete against each other. Buy some Peloton. In the last few weeks, though, we've seen some COVID winners get a boost as the Omicron strain has faded. Their COVID stocks that have become post-COVID stocks. And I think they're worth picking up into weakness. First, DoorDash. Now, DoorDash, it turns out, didn't quit when people got healthier. There was a widespread belief that consumers would abandon these delivery apps once it became safe to go out again. It didn't happen. Instead, the users kept multiplying. Why? Two reasons. Convenience and the cost of liquor. The pandemic experience has taught Americans they can save a fortune if they get food delivered and then just buy their alcohol at the supermarket or liquor store rather than paying for ridiculously marked-up drinks at a restaurant. They might not come back. Second, we learned this month that Airbnb has continued to attract an ever-broadening list of users because staying at an Airbnb is often cheaper and more satisfying than staying in a hotel. I bet the business will keep accelerating as cross-border travel comes back. CEO Brian Chesky has poured money into the technology behind his app, making Airbnb so easy to use that the competition may not be able to catch up. Third, yesterday we got word of two more companies with post-COVID staying power, Etsy and Block, the artist formerly known as With Etsy, many feared this online marketplace would end up like Shopify, which reported a suboptimal quarter and gave lukewarm guidance, or at least that's how it seemed to me. Instead, Etsy delivered a nice acceleration on many metrics. Their business is growing both here and internationally. We know this because Etsy raised its transaction fee from 5% to 6.5%. That's a 30% boost, and they're going to get it. Because of Etsy's unique nature as the number one marketplace for handcrafted goods, I doubt there'll be any resistance. Look at this thing. It's up 16% today. Finally, there's Square. Now, Block, anyone who listened to that conference call knows that the company's firing on all cylinders, especially with its Cash App. It's a brilliant, easy-to-use payment system that now includes a buy-now-pay-later offering following the company's acquisition of Afterpay. That's how the stock has surged 26% in it. There will be more of these pandemic winners with permanent post-pandemic staying power, but you need to understand just how special these stocks are. While they can have some huge swings once the volatility's over, I bet they won't easily give back their gains. In fact, I think they're great places to be. I like to say there's always a bull market summer, and I promise you I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Kramer. See you Monday. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear
2: small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you, like FedEx who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you.